0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Irish Astronaut Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ethan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Murtaza. Today, we also have a special guest with us, welcoming Sid, or the real OG.
1: Sid, how about you introduce yourself? Yeah, what's up, guys? Uh, My name is Sid. Uh, I'm a good friend of the two hosts of of this podcast, Murtaza and Ethan, and I'm happy to be on the show today we're really happy to have you. So let's kick right off with the biggest news
0: of the NBA. Of course, the James Harden trade. Vertaza, what do you
2: think? So in my frequent conversations with both Sid and Ethan, I was a little bit uh, suspicious of this trade after Harden's initial injury. Uh, it felt inevitable. And especially after that explosive press conference he had where he basically quit on the Houston Rockets and the city of Houston, it seemed inevitable at that point that the trade was going to occur. Although initially I was hoping that we would accept the Sixers offer, uh, ideally including Simmons, Theibel, Maxi, and three first round picks as was being reported. I am very content now with the offer that we have accepted from the Brooklyn Nets nearly four first round picks four pick swaps and eventually what led us to get victor oladipo uh, given the recent reports from both shams and woge it seems like the sixers weren't willing to budge all the way on giving maxi and an additional first round pick and so if that was the case that our general manager rafael stone had to deal with then i'm perfectly content with the offer that we have made
0: and I'm curious, Murtaza, what do you think about the comparison between Oladipo and Karis LeBert? It seems like the Rockets had a chance of getting either of them. What do you think?
2: So it's definitely a very interesting discussion, uh, especially since no one expected Victor Oladipo to be in trade discussions until the news was reported by those in- NBA insiders. On a personal level, I was more inclined to see Karis Levert. I had seen him play pretty frequently uh, with the Brooklyn Nets just this season and in previous seasons. And I really liked the game that he had to offer. Although he's a bit inefficient, I felt that in a heightened role, he could begin to fix those issues. What I never realized was just how good of a defender Victor Oladipo was, which was never an impression that I got from Karis Levert. So they're very different players, although they play the same shooting guard, small forward type position. Uh, But even on a contractual basis, since Victor Oladipo is in the final year of his contract, I think the name of the game for Rafael Stone, our general manager, is flexibility. And I believe that Victor Oladipo offered more of that flexibility when compared to Karis Levert.
0: Sid, I want to loop you in on this. What do you think about the flexibility of this trade and how has fit in so far with the rockets.
1: Yeah, so at first I also preferred Karis Levert, but in the end I think that it ended up pretty <clears throat> it ended up working pretty well in the sense that uh the I I thought the trade wasn't that great to get Oladipo at first, but of course hindsight is 2020 and now we see that Oladipo is playing remarkably well, he's fitting in with the, the Rockets extremely well, he's gelling with the team, he's got what we Rockets fans like to call the wow factor, what Oladipo wall, and and of course Karis LeVert, there was that report that he actually had a benign tumor on his uh, on his kidneys, so I think really the trade sort of helped Karis in the sense that it gave that opportunity to be screened for a physical and in that sense, they were able to notice that tumor in the first place, and they were able to nip it in the bud. And as for Oladipo, I think the way that he's playing right now is he, he's playing remarkable. His his points, he's averaging like 20 points per game this season, and he and the Rockets seem to be uh, working remarkably well. So I'm pretty happy with the trade, I would say.
0: I'd say Houston's pretty happy with the trade, too. They're on a six-game win streak right now. Just had a big win over Portland. So, in terms of how Oladipo is fitting with the offense as, say, a playmaker working with uh, P.J. Tucker, working with John Wall, and, of course, Boogie Cousins, what do you think um, the offense will look like when Oladipo leaves, presumably for a team like Miami near the end of the season, as he is on an expiring contract?
2: So even within that question i do want to address i feel a bit of a misconception since recent reports have pointed out that victor oladipo might stay with the rockets and um i remember a rockets insider um i'm forgetting the name of this individual at this moment my apologies to them Uh, but apparently the rumor is is that rafael stone and victor oladipo had somewhat of a verbal agreement that they are going to give this 15 to 20 games they're going to see how Victor Oladipo is feeling at the end of those twenty games and see whether he is still adamant in getting his to his preferred de- destination in Miami or whether he's more willing to stick it out here in Houston. Um, so I'll just address the offensive situation in both worlds. I think right now, you know, we're still bottom ten in offense, which is to be expected. You traded away one of the most generational players in James Harden with. Respectfully, a fringe all-star in Victor Oladipo. However, I really love the synergy that this group is playing with. Um, with all due respect to James Harden and the great accomplishments he's had in his eight years in Houston, sometimes watching Rockets games felt a very stagnant since you know, oftentimes James Harden's uh, mentality when playing basketball is to go into isolation and dribble for about 20, 22 seconds and then take up a shot. With this team, you're seeing a lot more ball movement, you're seeing a lot more cuts and just general movement along the floor. John Wall has become the ultimate facilitator in a way that I never would have expected when we traded Russell Westbrook for him. And Christian Wood, I mean, there's not enough superlatives to describe the offensive impact that Christian Wood is having at the moment. People had given up on him, even the Houston Rockets who drafted him initially or who picked him up initially. Also, felt that they gave up on him in his five years as a journeyman. But I'm so happy for him that he's established himself as a minimum 20 and 10 player each and every game. So, Victor Oladipo will kind of shuffle into that James Harden role, in my opinion, of course, with less isolations. But over time, that'll be his role in the Rockets. Now, if Victor Oladipo leaves, depending on who we get back, whether it be a Tyler Hero, a Michael Porter Jr., perhaps in the rumors. Um, I feel that the offense will adjust, but still will have those same basic tenets as before, you know, with Silas Ball in effect, taking advantage of three-pointers and drives to the paint, kicking out for wide-open shots, and incredible ball movement and player movement throughout the floor.
0: Yeah, speaking of Christian Wood, Sid and Murtaza, is Christian Wood your candidate for most improved player, and if so, why? Sid, uh, how about you go first?
1: so in my eyes i mean maybe this is the bias talking but i definitely think christian wood is the most improved player now i know there are candidates like chris boucher out there who who have a strong case but i think the way that christian wood has gelled with the rockets and he's playing at an all-star uh, he's playing at an all-star caliber level and he's really brought back that element of the big man of the center back to houston i think that's deserving of some recognition so Christian Wood this season has been absolutely remarkable, and I I think that he's well deserving of a Most Improved Player award. And if not, he should at least be one of the final three. He should definitely get that nod in the first place.
2: Yes, I absolutely agree agree with Sid here. Um, again, uh, as a Houston Rockets fan, it is pretty biased of me, but I think objectively on every metric, it seems that Christian Wood has. Just absolutely shown his talent, has shown his ability to help a team, help a team that was coping. Because oftentimes, when an NBA franchise trades such a remarkable player like James Harden, they often fall on the wayside. But Christian Wood, you know, to his credit, has been able to stabilize the team a little bit with his play. Um, and of course, there are definitely other candidates. Jeremy Grant comes to mind. Chris Boucher, as Sid has mentioned. Um, But I feel that the way that Christian Wood is playing, and given that his team is competitive, unlike the Toronto Raptors or the Detroit Pistons at the moment, that he should get the nod over those other guys.
0: I'll just mention the specific aspect of Christian Wood's game that really appeals to me is his versatility. I think on the offensive end, as a guy who can really handle the ball, uh, something you don't see for a guy his size a lot, and also a guy who can stretch the floor from the three-point line, And then defensively, that's where I think he's actually made his biggest leap. With the Pistons, he was sort of a guy off the bench who could block some shots, but not necessarily a consistent guy you would turn to as a defensive stopper. But now I think he's improved his lateral quickness, his ability to keep up with big guys on the floor when they're driving to the basket, and to close out on shooters and still get those blocks that he was getting before. So definitely, yeah, I think Christian Wood is in the running. Personally, of course, I think... Jalen Brown is up there, although you might have said that he started too good to be the MIP. And of course, Chris Boucher, even though he's coming off the bench behind Aaron Baines, I think he's got a great case as well. So let's shift gears, talk about another Rockets youngster, Sean Tate. What are y'all thinking about this uh, young kid who's definitely got a lot of talent?
2: Well, there's, like I said with Christian Wood, the same thing applies with Jayshon Tate. There are not enough words to describe what an amazing, amazing find that this young man has been for our team and for the city of Houston as a whole. Um, Given that our team has long relied on a small size power forward with a lot of heart in the name of P.J. Tucker, given that he was kind of getting up there in age, it was really vital that the Houston Rockets found his replacement because... the time was not going to get any slower, and at some point, you felt that PJ Tucker's availability for the team would not be as great as it once was. So, shout out to Raphael Stone, our general manager, who did a tremendous job scouting this uh, player, Jay Shante, out of the Australian League, out of all places, not just in the G League or in college, um, playing with the Sydney Kings, and just making sure that he acclimates to the rest of the squad. What I love most about Sean Tate, in my opinion, is that he knows what his role is on the team. He's not always going to stuff the stat sheet with points and rebounds and assists, but what he will do is take that Draymond Green kind of role, where he will have a lot of versatility, as we've mentioned throughout this podcast, as an important factor for the Houston Rockets, make those winning plays just like P.J. Tucker once did just a few years ago, and ensure that he's always in the right space to make that right play. There's not enough great things to say about Sean Tate, and I really hope that Raphael Stone and the rest of the Rockets uh, management decide to extend him as soon as possible, and sure he's on our team for years to come.
1: Yeah,
0: I'll note that while Sean Tate is really noted for his rebounding and toughness on the floor, one place where there's still some doubts are his shooting, especially from outside. He's hitting 34% on the year, but 65% from the free throw line. So, Sid, do you think he can
1: overcome those challenges? Yeah, definitely. I think Jayshawn Tate is. Jay Sean Tate is a young player by all means. He still has room to develop. And in an offense run by Steven Silas, who was last year the manager of the of the NBA's best offense historically, I think that he should be able to get it up in due time. What I like the most about Jayshawn Tate is the fact that. Like Murtaza mentioned, he's, he's not trying to stuff the, sh- the stat sheet. But more importantly, what he does goes beyond the statistics. It goes beyond the PER itself. Because the hustle and the heart displayed by this kid, it, it, it's remarkable. And I think that he's, he's a real steal that we got. And I'm really excited to watch him play, not just this season, but in the future seasons to come. Because we need that kind of player to bring that kind of energy for the team. Especially with, uh, especially with the the decline of PJ Tucker in itself, like Murtaza mentioned. So yeah, I'm really loving Jay Sean Tate. I think although his shooting might not be the best right now, I definitely think he can acclimate to the offense eventually. And in due time, uh, I think it will be. I think it will work out really well.
0: Yeah, so it wouldn't be a podcast about basketball if we didn't have some trade talk. As of late, PJ Tucker has been on the chopping block a lot. It seems. Do y'all think the Rockets should be shopping Tucker? And if so, where should he go? Rortanza, why don't you figure this off?
2: So if you had asked me this question before the win streak, I would have said, yes, we need to tear it all down. We need to give the keys to the franchise to Christian Wood, John Wall, and Victor Oladipo and move on. After this six-game win streak, I'm having my doubts. Because even though PJ Tucker has obviously declined as a basketball player he's not what he once was in 1819 or 1718 he is such a valuable part of this houston rockets franchise as one guy that motivates everyone else as a mentor to deshaun tate and even david and waba one of our other star signings that i don't think you want to let him go that easily in my opinion the only way you deal pj tucker at this point is at the trade deadline to a contender for a lot either like a young stud uh with attached to first round picks uh not just for pj tucker like we would send in first round picks and pj tucker and we'd get like a tyler hero uh, mpj type player hopefully but that's the only way where i see that the houston rockets should trade out of pj tucker because similarly to Jay Sean tate he provides so many things to the team outside of the stat sheet that just letting him go for a couple of second round picks would not resonate well with the rest of the houston rockets team
0: i guess the concern is now whether pj matches the timeline though because it's clear that the rockets aren't a championship contender right now or at least i think it's clear or they have different ideas and so you know, it's worth considering what role a leader plays on a team that is rebuilding. Sid, anything
1: here? Yeah, so I think the, I think PJ Tucker is an extremely valuable piece for the Houston Rockets. Uh, Reportedly, he said that he's not completely opposed to a trade. So if it's in the best interests of both parties, I say that maybe towards the midseason or maybe the all-star break, I say we maybe put him on the on the on the trade block. We've reportedly said that we want uh like three second round picks in exchange. Uh I think that if we can get at least two second round picks and a and a pretty good bench piece that can like sort of make up for uh PJ Tucker, I think that that we could definitely pull the trigger. I've heard destinations like Miami and Boston as possible spots for PJ Tucker. And I think that he would provide a nice element of heart and hustle and definitely the caliber to play on both sides of the ball for them. So I think it would be a pretty good move for us if we want to build to for the future, considering that PJ is uh, like 34, 35 years old. And for other teams to get that veteran presence on, on their team, I think that would be pretty valuable. So I'm not completely opposed to a trade. Of course, as a Houston Rockets fan, I'd like to see P.J. Tucker on the team, but going forward, it's whatever the team has in mind.
0: Yeah, and speaking of Boston, this seems like a good place to wrap up the astronaut portion of the podcast. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the Irish part. This podcast is supported by listeners like you, and by Lil Uzi Vert's Head Diamond, and by Baker Mayfield's Endorsement Deals, since the Browns are out of the playoffs, there's nothing better for him to do. And we're back with the Irish part of the Irish astronaut. We'll be taking a deep dive into the Celtics as of late. Lots of troubling trends as the slow return of Kemba Walker and the injury of Marcus Spark have put a damper on the Celtics championship aspirations. But I want to kick it off with a little bit of history. Today, February 3rd, 60 years ago, Bill Russell got thirty-five rebounds in a game against the New York Knicks. I just wanted to throw that piece of trivia out there since those numbers are eye-popping. So, to kick off this part of the Celtics, um, kick off this part of the Celtics section, I want to talk about the impact of Marcus Smart and especially his injury a couple nights ago. It's reportedly a grade one strain of his calf, which could be really detrimental. But at least it's not an Achilles injury, as some people theorized before. Smart, as you know, is really an impact defender and also a leader on the floor, both with his voice and with his effort every single night. Although he's been inconsistent offensively, he's shown his ability to be an offensive spark plug at times, for instance, hitting five threes in the fourth quarter in a game last year in the playoffs. And I do think that he's a valuable piece when it comes to championship contention for these Celtics, especially given our lack of depth on the wing. In two-guard lineups, like, say, with Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart on the floor, he gives us some more spacing on the wing and also the ability to play impact defense and give guys like Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum some time off to rest on the defensive end before they can make an impact on offense. And finally, I think Marcus Smart really has an impact as a playmaker, right? With Peyton Pritchard currently out and Romeo Langford out as well, We're relying a lot on Kemba Walker to be a playmaker. But as of late, he hasn't really shown that spark that he had in Charlotte and last year in Boston. So I'm wondering what y'all think. Do y'all think that the team can contend without Marcus Smart? Sid, let's go to you first.
1: Yeah, so I definitely think that even with the loss of a defensive leader like Marcus Smart, I feel like the Celtics will pick it up. Uh, and they'll they'll contend pretty easily. I, I say this because they have a really strong young core in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and they have one of the best coaches in the NBA in Brad Stevens. So I think even if Smart is out for the next two to three weeks, I feel like Stevens will drop uh, pretty good game plans to get Tatum and uh, to get Tatum and Brown the ball. And we we know that those guys are certified bucket getters. They can pass the ball, they can defend, they can do pretty much everything. And so I think that the question of the Celtics being a contender, it, it, it's, it's no debate, really. I think that although Marcus Smart's loss will hurt them in the short term, I think that eventually he'll get back into that lineup, and they'll be perfectly fine. Uh, I see them going right now, as far as possibly the, the Eastern Conference semifinals, I think it's going to be tough to get past brooklyn or philadelphia as it as it looks right now but as we know brad stevens is brad stevens is the man uh, i feel like he can figure it out either way
0: camera yeah, do you think the celtics have what it takes to get through brooklyn and philly with marcus smart as a question mark
2: yeah i'm gonna have to disagree with my good friend sid here um going into the season with jason tatum and jalen brown who are two emerging if not already emerged stars and superstars in this league. Uh there's no doubt that the Boston Celtics had what it took to potentially win a championship and contend for years to come. However, with the loss of Marcus Smart, similar to what I feel like with PJ Tucker on the Houston Rockets, it kneecaps the very essence of this team, the very heart of this Boston Celtics franchise. And so, without that plug off, you know, defense and that passion and effort that Marcus Smart brings into every game, I think it'll be difficult for the Boston Celtics to adjust, let alone to superstar teams such as the Brooklyn Nets and an absolutely like seemingly unbeatable team with the Philadelphia 76ers, especially when Joel Embiid is on his game. So even though on a playmaking level, they may not lose too much with Marcus Smart because of the rise of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in the last year, on a leadership standpoint, you're definitely missing a lot with uh, Marcus Smart out. And unfortunately for the Boston Celtics fans, you don't know how good he's going to be after he comes back from injury. Dealing with nagging calf muscle injuries is going to be something very difficult for Marcus Smart to overcome. And I wish him nothing but the best, but with him being a question mark, I seriously doubt Boston Celtics ability to compete against the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers and even the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference.
0: Yeah, and regardless of how the Celtics end up doing and the return of Marcus Smart, I think one thing that's definitely worth noting is the rise of Jalen Brown. Without a doubt, I think my pick for MIP, as I mentioned before, and especially what I think is interesting about uh, Brown's rise is his use of the mid-range. Supposed to be a dying art in the NBA right now, but he's really revived it. He's nearly doubled the percentage of his looks that come from the mid-range and almost all of them come off the dribble, right? He's not taking assists and shooting from mid-range. He's creating these shots for himself. He's drawing them at an incredible rate. thirty eight did an analysis on this recently. Found he's hitting at 58%. And for context, KD's career rate from mid-range is just 56%. But I do think, as a word of caution, that part of Jalen Brown's rise is unsustainable. And that's partly because... Of all the strain and the pressure that he's taking as a new leader on this team, he's still incredibly young. But also because of some troubling metrics with his free throw percentage, he's shooting just 77% from the line, which is much lower than expected. And especially for someone who's shooting so well from mid-range. Also, as a consequence of this increased production from mid-range, the number of shots he's taking from the three-point line and at the rim have dropped as well. And of course, we know those are the highest efficiency shots. So even though his numbers have gone up, like he's shooting 44% from three, incredible, I know. I I just don't think that Jalen Brown's rise will last for the rest of his career or even for an entire year. Um, Murtaza, what about you?
2: So I think you definitely hit on some important points about Jalen Brown's rise in the last couple of months um, as a player and a little bit of unsustainability that, comes with jalen brown's rise uh, but from my perspective the way that he's playing right now certainly has some merit for years to come uh, although his shooting percentages like you noted are just absolutely out of this world he's shooting like 44 percent from three that would be like Steph curry numbers basically but the way that he's seeming to affect an offense and really slow down the game That's really, really impressive, especially for a player as young as Jalen Brown. So I feel that at this point, he may not be like a superstar per se. He may not be the first option on a championship level team, but he's certainly proving that he has grown as a player, and perhaps there's even more room for him to grow. But Ethan, I do have a question for you. It's a question that I've posed to you earlier before in our messages uh, in the weeks before this podcast. And I think it's a very legitimate question, given Brown's insane productivity in the past couple of weeks. Do you think at this moment, Jalen Brown is a better player than Jason Tatum? And taking away all of the potential arguments about how Jason Tatum could perform in future years, just strictly based on this year's performance, do you believe that Jalen Brown has been more of a contributing factor than Jason Tatum to the Boston Celtics' success?
0: So I just want to, for this comparison, split it up into two parts. On offense, I think Jason Tatum is still clearly a better creator. For instance, he's uh, proving his worth as a playmaker and made an insane pass to Rob Williams a couple nights ago behind the back. And also, he just has a certain silkiness and smoothness to his game, right? Whether it's the pull-up three or his ability to get down low and draw in and uh, sometimes get away with a push-off. And finally, his ability to hit from mid-range, which he I think matches Brown and Prowlis. On defense, I still think Brown is a better stopper simply because he has a little more weight on him. He's able to take hits to the chest, stay up, stay with a guard, and I think really guard one through four. And in some cases, play uh, play defense on small ball fives. With that said, I think the, the comparison still goes to Tatum in this case, both because he's younger, as in, Um, he, he still has more room to grow and because this season he was out for two weeks for health and safety protocols, right? So if we're factoring the impact per game, I still think Tatum has been making a bigger difference, but Brown has gotten a lot more media attention simply because he's been playing more. Sid, what do you think on that comparison?
1: Yeah, guys. So I also believe that as of right now, Jason Tatum is the better player. Uh, for the Boston Celtics. I think he's definitely the number one option for the, the team. He's averaging 27 points per game as of right now. Uh, he, he's up to 1.1 steals. So he is making an impact on on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I agree with Ethan. I do think that uh, that Jalen Brown is the better defensive player. Uh, I, I think it's important to note that, that Jason Tatum's mid-range game is one of the most defining aspects of, of, a, of his of his game, it, probably the most defining aspect. And I think that that's going to be really valuable in the in the long term, especially when it comes to the playoffs because coaches are going to need to rely on a guy who can hit those shots and Jason Tatum has continuously proved that he can be that guy. So I think it's without question that Jason Jace, Jason Tatum is one of the league's budding young stars and I think that he is the best player on the Boston Celtics.
2: Yeah, so I want to cap off this
0: section of the podcast with the Celtics rookie report. This year, the Celtics drafted three players. First, their lottery selection, Aaron Niesmith, out of Bam- out of uh, uh, or rather out of Vanderbilt. Then, um, Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon, and finally, an international player, Yam Motter, who's um, playing overseas for this season. What do you guys make of Niesmith and Pritchard so far? Do you all think that they can maintain their roster spot for the future? How are they playing? Um, let's start off from the puzzle.
2: So admittedly, I have not watched every single Boston Celtics game as I assume that Ethan probably has. So I can't give you a complete in-depth report on either rookie, uh, just compared to what information Ethan would be able to provide. Uh, but just from the eye test, both of these young players are incredible finds for the boston celtics it always feels that whenever the boston celtics have a good pick in a draft they're always able to capitalize it similar to the miami heat and find a young budding star and a potential contributor to their rotation each and every year compared to some of the more lackluster and kind terms teams in the nba Uh, peyton pritchard especially i've been incredibly wowed by his amazing performances Uh, particularly since jason tatum had been off for two weeks due to those health and safety protocols as ethan had mentioned before it seemed that peyton pritchard was able to rise up to the task and even at one point hit a game-winning shot or game-winning tip-in rather uh, to help save the celtics in one of their closer games of the season so i feel that both rookies are contributing tremendously well um, but the caveat is If the Boston Celtics truly do have championship aspirations for this year or next year, Danny Ainge might have to part way with either him, uh, either Pritchard or Naismith or even both of them to perhaps facilitate a trade for a already proven star in this league, perhaps a Bradley Beal or a Zach Levine or some other type of emerging or if not already emerged star. Uh, But just based on the contributions that I've seen, Peyton Pritchard and Naismith both have been incredible finds for the Boston Celtics, as always.
0: Yeah, and Sid, any thoughts on the rookie class for the Celtics?
1: Uh, The important thing was that the Boston Celtics, they drafted Naismith with the 14th pick, and they drafted him because he was by far the best shooter in the draft. And I think that although he's gotten off to a little bit of a rocky start, I think that he can pick it up. I think under the mentorship of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, I think he'll be able to to play his role and hit the three eventually. And as for Peyton Pritchard, man, he's been an absolute steal. Uh, he's the the kid from Oregon. Uh, he's he's been incredibly remarkable when it comes to well, when it comes to to scoring the ball, passing the ball. But I think an underrated aspect of his game is his defensive presence because. The advanced stats show it all. He's had five games this season where he's had two or more steals. Now that's that's remarkable in itself considering that this is a rookie who's already making a big impact on an NBA team. So I think without question, the Celtics, they, they had an excellent draft uh, this year and I'm looking forward to what they can do in the long term.
0: Yeah, definitely. So that's where we'll wrap it up. Thank you for joining us this week on the Irish Astronaut. And special thanks to Sid
1: for joining us as a special guest. All right, that's the podcast for this week.